what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of poker distilled i'm so angry right now i can't even contain my mood i'm not even going to pretend not to be totally infuriated we just lost the first like eight minutes of our podcast because i got the green screen of death on this damn computer once again so i'm too tilted to introduce the podcast melissa you introduce the podcast let's do it that way sounds good um well welcome to poker distilled everyone um we are well when we when Pete's computer broke down, um, I was in the middle of a story that I wanted to start off today's podcast talking about. And this was uh, literally the most tilting thing that's ever happened to me at a poker table um, since I've started playing. This happened last night in my normal one two game. I was it was a shorthanded table. I was in the cutoff and um there was five of us at the table and the, the villain in this story was to my right. So he was kind of sitting in the seat directly in front of the dealer um, in, early, in earlier position, but there's no players between us, sitting between us. And it limps around to me. I look down, I have pocket sixes, I raise, fold, 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 and then villain calls. Um, the king came out. I mean, the uh, flop came out king, X king. It goes check, check. Turn was a blank. Check, check. The river was uh, another king. So there's three kings on the board. Villain checks to me. I look over at his stack and I see his hand. Uh, in his hand are like six chips, which essentially equals about $30. So not much at all. I thought, okay, he's pretty, he's pretty short stacked. I'm just going to get it in here. I jam all in. He looks at me and he says, really? This must be my lucky day. And he calls and he shows a king for quads. And I thought, Okay, well, whatever. He's got quads. I just ran into it here. But then he moves his hand, and behind his hand is like a stack of green chips, which is a hot, the highest denomination in the room. And turns out he's has like $450 behind. And I I was I had more than him. So I essentially just he's I essentially just had to pay him his entire stack. Oh my god. And uh this was like the most tilting thing I'd ever that has ever happened to me because I looked quickly and I really did not even think that he had any more chips behind. I didn't ask him if he had any more chips behind or how, how deep he was playing, but um, yeah, it made me feel awful. And I have never experienced anything like that before. It was just so bad. Yeah. I mean, it's still shocking. And this is the third time I've heard the story. Like I feel like I'm on some <laughs> horrible carousel where like, yeah you just get put back to the start again as some kind of like psychological punishment and keep having to relive the same God. The same thing. Just think about how I feel. I've had to tell it three times. Yeah, imagine so. we just had to sit here and do this like ad infinitum forever, like just listening to the story with you and the sixes. So yeah, I mean, I guess if you just bet the flop, none of it would have happened because you would have seen a stack. How does that make you feel? Yeah. That makes you feel better, right? Had you just bet the flop, probably it would have all been fine. Therefore, you should have bet the flop. No, that's a horrible argument. But like maybe you could bet the flop. But anyway, as played, like yeah, it's horrible because it's this absolute boat from the blue. It's like I was completely safe. The worst that can happen to me here is that I just lose like a small pot. I've not oh, had time to gear myself up for playing for stacks. I've had absolutely no yeah. window of time in which I can like mourn the potential loss of my stack or anything like that. Yet suddenly my stack is just gone in a situation where I felt like it couldn't be. This is like a real tragedy. This is like yeah as bad as it gets yeah. for the poker player so yeah. yeah really normal that you felt like shit about this 
because you're going through all kinds of like man like shame regret mm-hmm. like insane regret mm-hmm. like god i'm so stupid if only i had if only i hadn't like that kind of thought but again like what we talked about last week was world favorability right like trying to zoom to the right level of um yeah. view like do you want to like be on the ground where you're just immersed in the thick of it do you want to have mm-hmm. the bird's eye view where you're looking at it like it's a board game and I guess what we actually want to talk about today, well, the topic that you want to talk about, and I know you're going to say a bit more about why you chose that topic, but this is a great mm-hmm. segue into it, right? Because as you said before we started recording, like this is maybe one of those things that when we zoom out and go to the bird's eye view, how much will it matter in the long term? Like you'll always be able to tell the story mm-hmm. or like, oh, one time yeah. this happened. But a year from now, if you tell the story, it won't be like struggling to cope pain anguish it'll be like here's an anecdote here's an entertaining thing yeah. that happened to me right so yeah is this something true. that matters or is this something that uh, just doesn't matter in the long term um i think i think both um the the idea of like what whether it matters or not i think is a little bit too broad i think part of, parts of it do parts of it don't so like yeah, the fact the fact that he, you know, that this happened in this one spot and I lost exactly this amount of chips doesn't matter in the long run. Right. Like, yes, it will turn into an amusing anecdote yep. that I can tell and I can always have like that story, right? Yep. Um, but I think the part that I can learn from it is that I think this was an example of an action that I took too soon mm. without thinking through. I think that I generally and I would say like 90% of the time I'm always aware of hyper aware of stacks because there are a lot of players in my pool who, when they're short um, or, or even when they're not don't put their chips in front. And I think this is just a live poker thing. Um, I'm not sure how much it happens at, you know, bigger games where people have like physically, just physically have more different chips and like different denominations of chips in front of them. But like a one, two game where like the minimum buy-in is like a hundred dollars and like you could have just like one color of chips and, or you could just have like four small chips for 25, like $25 chips. Um, It's, it's common for certain players to have their hands, you know, in front of their stack. Mm. And so you have, and so I'm always asking, you know, how much do you have behind? Can Mm -hmm. you move your hands? Like, to the point where some players even get it, like the old, the old, the OMCs, like get really your eternal nemesis. <laughs> yes, my eternal enemy get annoyed um, when I do that, but I do it anyway. So, I think what I can take from this particular experience is that the, I don't think my thought process was was complete. I think I acted too quickly. I think I just disregarded a lot of the normal. And a, the normal steps that I should be taking before I take any action. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, one of those steps is to make sure that I understand exactly how much the other player has behind, yeah. especially if I'm going to be jamming. And I could have easily just asked him, how much are you playing? Instead of just glancing at his hand and thinking, oh, he's he's short, which in retrospect also doesn't make any sense because we had the game had just started. So mm-hmm. like, he would have had to buy in really short and to be like, to have like that many, mm-hmm. many chips and, or, or get stacked and in a previous pod and like neither of those things happened or I didn't notice them happening. Mm-hmm. So it was really a, a, a blunder in terms of just on my part, like not taking the proper precautions. So mm-hmm. yes, that's what I can pull from this. Um, and I think 
that's kind of the lesson in it. The other thing that I can pull from this is I am proud of myself for staying at the table for not, you know, losing my temper for yeah. not melting off another stack yeah. because I was so furious and being able to kind of just put it into context and, and like every once in a while, I think something happens at the poker table that has never happened before. Right. And that can be very jarring and that can be really disorienting and destabilizing. And like you, you reach like a level of like, I don't know. I, there's so many different thoughts going through mm-hmm. my head, like about how unhappy I was, but yeah. there's a really great line in um, a Bob Dylan song where he says, um, when you think you've lost everything, you find out you could always lose a little more. And the, the idea of like, when you think you've like suffered or seen the worst spots at the poker table, or you've gotten unlucky you could always it could always be worse it could, it could always get more mm-hmm. and so this was one of those this is one of those spots where i'm like oh shit like i've never been here before and it's terrifying and i'm i'm angry and tilted and mm-hmm. yeah it was awful anger is like such a hard emotion to control as well right because it's such a like motion movement rebellion like generating emotion it like tries to almost make you push away the state of affairs that's like made itself apparent to you it's like not just gonna suffer like sadness if you're sad about that you can come to terms with it over time you can feel shitty about it but with anger it's so difficult not to then Mm -hmm. go down a big rabbit hole of other emotions i feel like anger is such a catalyst emotion that it almost makes you act in ways that you instantly regret and then you're already down this like self-loathing um Mm -hmm. trap of a road sometimes like it's similar to what happened to me um this morning actually and this might not seem that bad to you right you might just laugh at this but i'll tell you why i was absolutely livid this morning and then we can compare and contrast i got up checked my phone stupidly like before i was ready to go to work had some news that i had to deal with like a problem that had to be resolved um started thinking about it lots already even though i wasn't typically in work mode yet grabbed the cat bowls with four bloody cats now because all the strays show up and we take them in always intending to to rehome them we're not crazy cat people honest we mean to rehome them but then we get mm. attached we both do you know i can mm. blame it on my girlfriend so she gets attached but we both get attached and now okay. we have four cats so there's a cat tree in the living room which is this big massive like fluffy kind of straw cardboard tubes and padded cushion like castle for cats basically and on the cat tree we place the four bowls every morning and the four cats they go to their own respective sort of slots of the tree that they've sort of agreed are theirs and they each eat at their own slot of the tree at least until the food is finished at which point like one of them the big fat one the black one that comes on the stream that you've seen tries to bully his way into the other Mm -hmm. uh, food bowls but this particular morning um the second youngest cat bastion was freaking out and getting more really skitterish about the fact he wanted his breakfast and i'm like stressed out as fuck and i put these four bowls down and he jumps up onto the cat tree but he mistimes his jump hits one of the bowls on the shelf above where he's oh, trying no. to land knocks it over so you've got biscuits and wet food all over the floor on his uh, way down tries to grab on and knocks over a second bowl so two of the four cat bowls that i've just prepared are now on the floor with the wet food and the dry food everywhere i've had this bad news oh i've just God. woken up and the feeling was this is too much i can't cope with this i'm just like a reed in the wind that's going to snap yeah. me and i'm done and i'm just going to lash out in uncontrollable ways now and start shouting and stomping about yeah. Um, and it's that initial 
suddenly being overwhelmed with like this is too much for me to bear that feeling and i think we sort of carry within us like the childlike the sort of baby's way of reacting to that right like i don't think that ever fully leaves us there's this like school of thought in psychology or whatnot called schema therapy where we all have Mm -hmm. different transactional modes within us like i can I can play the role of the child or the adult or the punitive parent or the lenient parent or the angry child, vulnerable child, um, relaxed, explorative child. It's like a a bunch of different persona, right? Like all Mm -hmm. mixed within that different schema. And I think the, the body and brain just have this like learned archaic history of going into the vulnerable child mode where we're just like, Mm. wow, this is not okay. I have to cry out for help. I have to scream. I have to be angry and just lash out basically to nobody and no one because you're an adult. No one's going to rescue you there, Melissa, right? Like no one's going to come up to you and be like, shh, it's okay. Here's a pacifier. Like here's some food. You're going to be fine. No one's going to do that. No one's going to rub your back for you because you just misread somebody's stack size. No. So here you are left on your own devices. You've become a vulnerable baby just lying there crying out and no one is even going to help you. And then it's that crisis point of like, shit, I have to go and get the dustpan and brush and have to clean this up and I have to refeed the cats. And then I have to deal with this work crisis. Whereas in your case, it's like, I have to sit here being watched by all of these people when I'm feeling like this child inside and I have to somehow repair myself enough to function or I can just yeah. walk away and say, guys, I'm too tilted, I'm out of here. And I think that's what most people would have done, actually. I think a lot of people would have just left the card room. Do you think you would have left the card room at a different point in your poker career or do you think you would always yeah. have stayed? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. A hundred percent. Talk a bit about sure. that then. Yeah. Like, what's changed? Like, Is that something you've been working on in your mental game for a while yeah. and how have you been working on it? So in my earlier part of my career, I think, yes, I would have, I would have left two things would have happened. I would have just physically got up and left the room and drove home, or I would have played in a way that was just like, you know, super monkey tilt or Mm -hmm. something. And just like, probably like, you know, lost the rest of my stack or something like that. But what's changed now is that I try. And when I have those moments where I get really angry and like you like everything you just described where like you feel like that vulnerable child and like you're whenever I have those moments I try to tell myself like this is the challenge for today like the the challenge that's in front of me is squarely presented like here it is like can you meet it can you can you um succeed in this one specific thing and that in itself it calms me down because it gives me a goal and it gives me like a direction and it gives me a purpose. Mm-hmm. I get very anxious. And um, I think all the other, all the other emotions that accompany being anxious and being angry, all of those flood in when I feel two, two things, mm-hmm. when I feel like I don't have a purpose in the moment, or I don't have a direct goal, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, where I feel like, you know, I, I've, that vulnerable child thing where I don't know where I am, where I feel like I've woken Mm -hmm. up in this, you know, terrible world and I'm not sure what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's like waking up, like this is maybe like a terrible analogy, but like waking up in like a, an unfamiliar place, but you're like, Oh, there's the path. I just have to make my way Mm -hmm. down the hallway and I see the door and I can let myself out of this strange room and Mm -hmm. escape from the serial killer Mm -hmm. that has kidnapped me or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so what gives me that purpose, what presents the hallway and the door and the way out is saying, okay, the challenge is staying here, 
conquering this emotion, continuing to play optimally um, or starting to play optimally in this case, since I agree that in a lot of ways I butchered that hand with the pocket sixes, but, um, and I could have raised on, I could have raised on the flop, but yeah, I didn't but, think it was pure. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think it was pure. So I, I thought, okay, I can mix here, but anyway, yeah, but anyway, it's not a catastrophe. Like a silver will bet no. on the flop really, really often. Yeah. If not always, maybe it's right. a range bet spot. I doubt there's going to be like a huge calamity in EV associated with checking. So I'm only I'm only yeah. winding you up when I say that. Like I don't think it's disastrous <laughs> to check to bet to check. Yeah, no. Fact. But I but I think what I mean by butchered is that my thought process was was not mm -hmm. is it wasn't it didn't proceed accordingly mm -hmm. as it should. But putting that aside, I think I looked at it as like the challenge today is continuing to grind. Mm -hmm. Period. Sitting in this chair, continuing to grind, keeping my Biting my tongue, which is another That's struggle. That's such a hard thing to do, right? Like doing yes. nothing when you feel like doing everything chaotically. And then on top of that, going going more or less car dead for the next hour and a half and watching the same two players who are in every pot, who are, you know, just total fish, you know, that I want to have in the game, but they're in every pot. Mm. And, and so you're sitting there, watching the same two players get to the river on on these spots and both of them show up with the worst possible hole cards and then but also take a really long time to think through spots so like you know like sitting there and i'm thinking to myself why am i like why am i watching these two players mm -hmm. it's like trying to like watch these two like i don't know i don't want to say something mean but it was like that it's it's hard. It's hard. And so, um, it's an episode of South was... Park coming to mind right now that it's not very PC to talk about, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a specific episode of South Park right now. I wonder if the audience knows which one. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I haven't watched a ton of South Park, so I don't know, but maybe other people will. They will. Um, so yeah, so that was the challenge and that's when I presented to me and I thought, okay, I can do this. And I did do it. And I'm proud of myself for having done it. Um, and I ended up like, I, this is the other funny thing. I ended up like pretty much even on the session. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, sh I should be up $450 mm -hmm. right now because mm -hmm. that was exactly what, um, you know, what, what I lost in that, in that hand. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the day's challenge as kind of way of framing yeah. it because it does reintroduce a sense of purpose. And it also introduces a sense of heroism to some extent because, mm -hmm. You don't become a hero by completing a really easy challenge, right? Heroism, by definition, is conquering some like quite ostensibly, you know, unconquerable foe, like some kind of mountain that mm -hmm. most people can't get up it, but you manage to climb it. That's what hero heroism really is, and it's also yeah. suffering. Like heroism is sort of putting yourself mm -hmm. in the firing line for others, or maybe putting yourself in the firing line, contractually speaking, for like the future part of yourself that's going to have to like look back on this and remember it a yeah. certain way so in, in a sense there it's heroic that you decided to stay there and endured nothingness for another hour like sitting in the pits of despair of all of these emotions just for the self that would one day grow from it become stronger for for, for it and then look back on it mm -hmm. and you know every time you tell that story now and you'll tell it many times because it's like a cool poker story you'll be able to say that you just got on with the session. You didn't storm out of the yeah. casino, like yeah, crying and shouting. Yeah. So you've actually done your really future self a service here yeah. in the way that you've handled it. And maybe we need to do that more. We need to say, right, the cat knocked over those bowls, the shit all over the floor now. I've got this problem to deal with. 
But in three days' time, none of these things will be problems anymore. And all that will matter is how I've handled it. So how will my future self want me to handle it? And can I live temporarily at my own expense and servitude to that version of myself? And sometimes we can do this for others more easily than we can for ourselves because it's easy to think about others mm -hmm. existing in the past or the future. But for the self, sometimes you can't really see your future self as distinct from your current emotional state. So like if I'm in a room with you and that happens and you're stood there and I'm, you know, feeling accountable to you, I'm feeling like your presence there makes me unable to shout fucking stupid cat, what a moron, mm -hmm. and start stomping mm -hmm. around and, mm -hmm. you know, shouting at the cats, get down from there. I don't want to do that now because you're there and I feel accountable to you. Yeah. But the thing is that my future self is there in a sense yeah. in that room with yeah. me. He's going to be directly impacted by my behavior. So if I, like, the girlfriend comes back, where are the cat balls? I, I, I smashed them up with a hammer. Like, that's like, I have to be accountable to that, you know? So, yeah, yeah I think this is a really good point that, like, we exist throughout time. And maybe the challenge isn't just to overcome an obstacle, but to overcome an obstacle for others, even if the others are ourselves at yes. a different point in time. Yeah. yeah. And I also feel like, in a certain sense, like, it wasn't. I don't think he did it on purpose right. blocking the chips. He wasn't angling me. I think that he just, I think it was just a mistake and I think it just got out of control. Mm. And so I would feel terrible today, this morning, if I woke up and I, th and you know, I was like, Oh, I lost my temper mm -hmm. with him because he doesn't deserve that. Nobody does. And it would be, it would just make it feel worse, make me feel worse about it. So, yeah. So I, that's a good point about being accountable to your future self your future self um one of the one of the th one of the things that kind of gave me the idea of like talking about this was not just what it, the hand itself but a conversation i had with a friend of mine who is a pro a local pro and just kind of grinds low stakes one two around town and maybe some other some other stuff too but um he said to me one time, like recently, this was a couple days ago before this happened where I'd had like a, a pretty terrible run of cards in this session. Like I'd lost with aces twice and then I lost with Kings and it was just like visibly bad. Mm -hmm. Like everyone was watching this happen to me. And he said, it's, he goes, who cares? It's just one session. It's meaningless. And I thought to myself, that's an interesting statement because is it meaningless? Like, can you, can you look at a session as just being like, whatever, I just ran bad, whatever. Like, I'm not going to be affected by this. Like, it's just in the long run of things, like it's meaningless because I think in one sense, yes, that's true. Like in the long run of your life, like the likelihood that you're going to remember like that one session where you ran terribly um, is probably pretty small. And obviously if you're, a serious player and you know you're playing a lot you can't get bent out of shape over one session like it doesn't matter in a sense but in other ways i think it really does in, in like there's always something to be taken from i think every situation but to a point so i wanted to bring so the early story is being kind of a segue into this mm -hmm. other topic yeah. whereas like I think as serious poker players and students of the game, we're constantly analyzing everything. Like you can't help but do that. You know, 
did I, did I get my sizing right here? Like, what is, you know, was this a frequency mistake if you're really insane and you're thinking about that, but um, you know, like our, you know, all of these things that go through our, our heads, even worse, you know, it's magnified when you're running bad, I think. Cause then you're like, what did I do wrong? How much of this is variance? How much is this is, is just my own bad play? Is it a mix of both, et cetera. But the question is, are there things that are truly meaningless? So is, are there things that come up and just don't matter? And I'm not talking about maybe like how someone else, at the table's behaving or, you know, I'm talking about like, are there things that occur that are meaningless? Now, I think we already established that this situation with me jamming without knowing how deep this guy was, was not meaningless mm. in total. There was parts of, there was meaning to be pulled from it, but there was also things that don't matter. So how do we distinguish between between what matters and what doesn't? Yeah, I think it's really hard for poker players because everything feels like it matters at the time. Like every single pot you're in, it feels like it matters whether you win or lose, whether you get the decision right mm -hmm. or wrong. Yes. And yes, in a sense, yes. everything in life does matter. Like everything matters because right now I'm speaking into this microphone and we're doing this podcast and there's all these other things I could do instead. Like I could just pick up this book here and start reading it and ignore you. And that choice is maybe going to be meaningless one day. Like maybe one day I'm talking to my grandkids and I'm at the end of my life and like that probably doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it's whatever ripple it caused in the ocean has dispersed long ago and new waves and new ripples have displaced it. But in a sense for the ocean to be what it is, like every ripple matters in the moment that it exists, right? Otherwise the ocean wouldn't really be the same thing as it is. So mm -hmm. I feel like everything matters in some sense but like things are of more relevant importance based on like how much they persist into the future so like my choice today of whether to like murder someone or not that's a choice that really matters because it affects two people's more than two people's lives it affects a bunch of people's lives long into the future like whether i go out and just become a serial killer today or not i'm not going to guys it's fine don't worry I, okay I, I'll good stop Thank at the you. cat I, bowls i'll go yeah. out and get some new cat bowls instead you know um, I didn't really smash up the cat bowls just in case um, anyone's I wondering. I didn't think you did, but... The, the audience doesn't have as much faith yeah. in me, though, Melissa. They think I'm I'm crazy. Well, I, I can get that. I didn't, say, I didn't say I didn't think you were crazy. I just said I don't think that you smashed the cat bowls. Well, if you <laughs> didn't think I was crazy, I'd be a bit worried, actually. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad to yeah. hear that. It's reassuring. Um, so anyway, like, everything we do in the moment has some kind of meaning. There's some kind of, like, choice there. And, like, generally... From the utilitarian perspective, there's a better and a worse choice. Like in most cases, you can extend that to poker as well. And that you can say, well, sure, in theory, it doesn't matter whether I bet this hand on the turn or check it. But maybe in reality, one line is clearly better than the other. And I yeah. should look into whether yeah. it matters, you know. Um, And then a lot of people judge when they say it doesn't matter or it's meaningless. What they're talking about is they don't actually mean that it's meaningless. What they mean is that it's meaning is short lived. It doesn't persist very far into the future. So today, mm -hmm. that session you're talking about now, that's already lost a lot of its meaning. And by next month, it's probably yeah. going to have lost all of its meaning. And then by a year from yeah. now, it's probably going to be gone entirely from your memory. And then in that sense, it's meaningless. But I think when you bring time into the equation, it doesn't make sense to call things meaningless anymore, like in that absolute. And maybe there's different types of meaning. Maybe there's meaning in the sense of how intense an experience is and like what it means brain state wise to the person that's feeling it. So I could say it was very meaningful this morning when I was really mad or yesterday when you were feeling like a hollow 
you know, crippled mm-hmm. shell of a person when your ego was in smithereens on the floor with the cat food, you know, that was meaningful to you that you felt that way. It was very meaningful because it created a very intense inner state that you had to contend with. And it was a huge challenge and it nearly changed the destiny of your entire evening or even the entire week or how you'd view yourself mm-hmm. a week from now. It changed mm-hmm. a lot of things. So that heightened emotional state is in some sense indicative of the meaning of that experience to you for how you're going to forge like your neural connections about that kind of thing in the future. So emotion is like this beacon of light that's kind of saying this thing right now really matters by the way you should pay attention to it. And so much Mm -hmm. so that I'm even going to blank out all these other things so that you can pay attention to it. So the call and experience that was really intense to you meaningless just because it didn't persist as far into the future as some other things which by the way may have been really boring and meaningless like for me the process of me putting money into my pension the other day i went and just like made a request for a direct debit for like money to go into my pension from carrot corner from the company and as i was doing it it meant nothing to me i had no emotion about it at all it was boring it was tedious i was like i have to do this administrative thing that i, I know i'm supposed to do but then when I'm like 65 and I'm like hopefully retired and happy and just playing bridge and whatever and sipping some whiskey, hopefully then I'll be like, man, it was super fucking meaningful that I put all that money into mm-hmm. the pension when I was younger from the company yeah. and I was able to retire at 57 instead of 68 or whatever. Like that's yeah. meaningful. So what I'm really beginning to unearth here as I'm digging around and just ranting is that there are two types of meaning. There's emotional impactfulness at the time and sort of temporary state meaning and how intense that is and then there's how long into the future it persists and the extent to which it it matters later in life so it's almost like got a correlation with magnitude and frequency in poker when we talk about like value betting the river we don't bet one big blind into 200 just to make sure we get called you know to increase the Mm -hmm. frequency of being called because 99.999% of 1% pot is still less than 1% pot we bet 5x pot instead or forex pot because even though mm-hmm. villains meant to fold 80 percent of the time we're making four times the pot now so you know if you take 400 yeah chips say there's 100 in the middle and you bet 400 chips this is in the carrot poker school by the way you know and you get called a fifth of the time you're still making 80 chips that's 80 times right. more than you were betting by trying to fully you know enhance the frequency you were called at so in poker when it comes to value betting you can say that intensity, magnitude of experience of what happens right now is worth a hell of a lot more than frequency and how many times the thing occurs. And you can say of your experience last night that because that was such an emotional state and it was so high stakes to you and it was so intense that it did really have meaning and it did really matter even if it doesn't persist that far into the future. And you can say of my pension, that didn't mean anything to me, but the frequency it persists over is so vast that even though it was mm-hmm. a tiny blip in my internal radar, it was still hellishly meaningful because of how far into the future it lasts. So I don't yeah. know, we should make up different words than just meaningful. I feel like English is a really stunted language and in, in that it lumps so mm-hmm. many different things, different concepts and ideas into umbrella terms like meaningless. What a stupidly yeah. vague term. It's almost so vague that it's useless yeah yeah um so like uh there's a lot a lot there to unpack but i think all really interesting important points i think another way that meaning persists is like how we how we 
react this is kind of specific to poker but i think it can apply outside of poker as well but like how we react to future events based on what has happened to us in the past so like i could have easily um like i said i could have tilted off the rest of my stack because i was because of this event i didn't but it also like i was presented with situations in that same session where i still felt at my back the sting of this of this event like and this and this kind of childish petulant voice saying you have to do something now to correct what happened in yep. the, in the past yep. so like a good example is i had pocket this is like i was card dead for like an hour and a half and then i looked down at pocket kings um you know i it was like early position i raise and get like five callers which is normal in a one in a one two live game and the flop comes out like ace blank queen mm-hmm. right and like actually no i don't even think there's a queen i think it was just ace high mm-hmm. and under the gun or the guy that was first to act who was like super fishy just like bets like pot right Both. and you know like that's a situation where like call it like fortune reversal whatever mm-hmm. but you know i ended up like i didn't fold on the flop but i folded on a later street and the reason was is because it was just very clear to me that with the amount of players in the pod and so the pre-flop action and the post-flop action that like kings wasn't good and and so the it was a queen on the turn and then it was a queen the queen on the river that's what the mm-hmm. rest of the hand was but um and i folded on the turn mm-hmm. to a bet but my point is is that there was a voice in my head saying this is your chance to get even this is your chance to kind of outplay this guy so like when he bets flop pot raise him right because you have the you have the better aces you have like all of this like silly yeah. thoughts that like yeah. just absolutely have There's to no be ignored relevance I... to your ev whatsoever <laughs> right. like really vague right. nonsense theory thoughts yeah right but that voice is there and as you know in earlier in my poker career as a younger player as someone that was like very often like tossed um, on the sea of emotions mm-hmm. and would just like just go from like high to low and just felt like Mm-hmm. you know, just was reacting in the most kind of, I think, um, emotional way possible. Yeah. I would have probably tried to do something stupid there and I didn't yep. and I fold it. And, yep. but the point is, is that that earlier event that the, there was like a voice telling me, you can tell yourself that that was meaningless, but it's not like yep. you, you, you didn't realize like how bad that was. Like now you have to correct it. Like that was really bad. Like yep. there's this, your brain plays this trick on you or it's like tapping you on the shoulder being like, excuse me, like you think you're past this? Like mm-hmm. you're not like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, didn't, don't you realize how bad that was? Like, let's try and like, you know, you need to correct this mm-hmm. now. And ignoring that was, was really important. And then the next hand um, I rivered Broadway in a three bet pot. And I had, I had bet on the turn. I had bet like B one fifty. I'd over bet the pot got a reluctant call from villain after a lot of hesitation mm-hmm. and then the river you know i i got lucky and hit broadway mm-hmm. and um i could have easily bet 75 percent pot thinking well villain was really hesitant to call on the turn so you know likely like the likelihood of him calling a jam here like i want to get paid right feeling that greed theorem i need to get and, my dopamine hit to make me feel better where's my band-aid right. yeah and I said, I was like, fuck that. And I just jammed. Magnitude, baby. And Magnitude. Yeah. I just jammed and like jammed for like three X pot for the rest of his stack. Love it. And he thought about it for a long time. He ended up folding, but it was, it was like this voice saying, 
don't jam because he's not going to call. Just try and get what you can get your little bit of, you know, get a little bit of gold and mm-hmm. <laughs> then you'll be good, you know? And, and I knew that was wrong. Mm-hmm. My, you know, I just know that's not the right way to go about it. And so, so anyways, all of that is to say that the meaning of things, sometimes you have to convince yourself or you have to remind yourself that it, the, the meaning that you may think you're pulling from something mm-hmm. is the wrong meaning. Yeah. <laughs> and that you can get tricked into that. Yeah. Like the meaning might just be an echo of that big splash in the ocean that is now no longer affecting the present, but the remnants of it are still there and it has no causal relevance anymore. But yeah. it's still meaningful in the sense that in your brain, like in your reality, it still exists, even if it no longer has any permanence to like the world outside right. of that. And it's important to understand that we have these inward ripples that go on for way longer than anyone else. Like everyone else at the table. 10 minutes after that first catastrophe has forgotten oh, yeah, that it happened to you. Like the guy that got had the quad Kings remembers, but he'll probably remember just winning a pot with quad Kings. Not that she misread yeah. my stack. That won't even be the meaning right. he takes from it probably. And for everyone else, it lasted about 30 seconds. Like, Oh man, you thought he only had that. Oh, that's rough, man. That's rough. Oh, can I get a lemonade please? Like that's going to uh, be it. Yeah, like five yeah, seconds yeah. later, you know, can I get a green yeah. tea uh, and, a, and a beer. <laughs> Like, that's what it's going to be like a second fucking later. I know card rooms for this. I've been to America. I you do know. That's true. There is a lot know. of green tea. Ginger ale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, honey. I fucking know card like, rooms, man. I, I like your, your your American accent. It's good. I have lots of different ones and they're all like yeah, not you do. accurate, but it's so I just um, copy what I hear others say. But anyway, um, yeah, like back to this this hand with like the kings. It's like so obviously a terrible spot like it's such a, a dumb dumb spot to even invest any money in. but i don't want to coach you on this podcast it's not what we really do but i do have this yeah. like thing biting at me telling you yeah. to just fold immediately on the flop and the reason for that is just that this range Wait, i'm sorry which hand what, what the hand kings this? on the ace queen the kings. x with the guy like donks pot yeah oh yeah, yeah 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 like okay. i would honestly just fold on the flop and the reason i would yeah. do that is that there's two possibilities here really like one is just that the dude has an insanely strong range that's mergy value driven yeah. but strong so like two pair top pair mostly um if you don't think your fold equity is great against that and understandably not you know for someone that's going to donk pot four ways then yeah fold immediately or it's some yeah. like chaotic crazy person in which case they're probably going to bet the turn anyway a large amount of the, right. the time you're going to end up right. just calling to fold so i think sometimes in these spots call fold is like a really like not so good line because it ends up mm-hmm. Just putting more money in the pot against the guy with mm-hmm. a really strong range and also folding anyway a large amount of the time against the person that's actually getting out of line there. So yeah, it doesn't work so well. But as played, it's such a crazy spot on the turn to even contemplate like raising or doing anything on the raising the yeah, flop. It's like right. such an absurd play that without a spe- really specific read, like justifying it, mm-hmm. you would never even entertain the thought of raising these days in that spot, right? Like in, in a normal session, you would never even mm-hmm. go there. And yet there's this thing going, you know, the ripples are still in the water. You've got to do something. There's a current. It's almost like it's pushing you one way and you feel you have to like swim the other way just to counteract it. But actually you don't. And I think one of the hardest things in life and in poker is letting yourself exist within the current rather than trying to fight against it. So like when you're yes. having a bad yeah. session, being able to just swim where that current is going and make the most of it and conserve your energy and pick your spots and your fluids, you're in line with the water. There's no friction. You're gliding, right? It's like being on a wave when you're surfing. You're just like traveling with the wave. It's like a really, not that I'm a surfer, never been surfing by, but can imagine how good it feels. 
but when you are fighting against that i've definitely like been out at sea before and tried to swim to the coast and like some current has come and just pushed me a little bit further out to sea and i've been like shit am i gonna die now like this is terrible like it's a really bad feeling of going one way and nature making you go the other way right that's a really horrible feeling it's like you feel powerless so when the more you try and fight the current the more powerless you feel in poker this is my ethos because the more during a bad session that you try to say no i'm gonna force things i'm gonna do this that and the other and then those things don't work out and you just end up in a deeper and deeper hole the smaller and weaker you actually feel as an individual the less effect you actually feel like you have of changing the way the world is whereas if you accept mm. what's happening to you and try and glide with it and make your decisions like going with that wave then yeah you're not fully in control of where you're going you don't have control over your trajectory north south east west but you do have control of your emotions as they pertain to where you are in the water and maybe that's the only thing you can actually control at that time so i think like mm -hmm. what you did mm -hmm. there is you kind of realized that this current was going and it was pushing you and you sat still within it which is really hard to do and that's the first step to actually going with the current is to sit still is to not fight back against it and resist it and then eventually you settled into your session. You were just able to go with the current eventually. But maybe it's a process of, damn it, this wave is pulling me this direction. I don't want to be. It's pushing me out to sea. Okay, fighting against it's not going to help. It's way more powerful than I am. I can't affect change here. The first step is mm -hmm. to do nothing. And that's the hardest mm -hmm. damn thing. Because like, you know, when you're all ramped up, you're all basically energized with anger and ramped up, mm -hmm. you're going to feel like you have to do something. But really you have to do yeah. nothing. And then eventually you can rejoin reality and be at one with it but first you have to like resist going upstream the opposite way yeah that's such a good analogy it's so it's so in those spots are so hard because you you know we talked last week about um or actually earlier this week about seeing zooming out and looking down as opposed to being kind of in the thick of it yep. zoomed in close and feeling all the emotions and being overwhelmed and all of that and those times when you're the currents going, when you're going against the current is so, it it's so hard to pull out there. And sometimes you don't even think to do it. At least I don't because you're so, you're so pulled into, into the moment. Um, so yeah, it's a, but I think it's a really amazing skill to learn. And I think like the idea, what I tell myself too, is like, you know, you, if you were to say to someone who doesn't really understand poker, well, what makes a good poker player? The first thing they'd probably say is, well, how much money have they won? How many tournaments have they won? You know, are they able to do it without, you know, professionally without having to get another job, all of these things. And I think those are absolutely ingredients into the, you know, into the recipe of what makes a good poker player. But there's all of these other things that even poker, even people that play poker don't realize mm. make a good poker player. And one of those is that is that quality, is that ability, is that skill to say to to zoom out, to go with the, the go with the current and not walk against the current. And you know that's something that I think is a is an ongoing struggle. I don't think you can ever really say I'm going to be 100 perfect at this every time. Yep. But I think identifying when it's happening just identifying the emotion and identifying the temptation to just kind of go against the current is the first step to realizing, mm -hmm. okay, now I have a choice. Um, and I think what, if there's, 
if there's improvements in my game that I think are most noticeable, aside from like the technical, my technical thought process and the technical skills and the technical development is that I am so much more aware of my own emotional state at various times. Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm very aware of when I'm angry. I'm very aware of when I'm trying to go against the current. I'm very aware of all of these things. And once you're aware of it, then you can kind of pull back. It's like looking into the box and saying, okay, what's going on in here and how do I deal with it? Rather than feeling like, you know, that it's just like taken over you and you can't, you know, you can't act objectively. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. That's a fascinating way of looking at it. And I think it's what people do and have done for millennia. You know, that's how we've lived. We've had to adapt to the current. We've had to adapt to nature and the world. Yes, we've been able to work with what nature gives us. We've been able to work with the atoms and redesign them in different ways, but we've not been able to like mm-hmm. invent new atoms. Maybe that's not true. Maybe we have created like those weird atoms in the periodic table, like Einsteinium and shit like that. But I don't think they have any practical use. Anyway, I digress. For the most part, we work with, you know, carbon and, you know, Mm-hmm. all these substances and atoms and we arrange them into things we work with the ingredients we're given right it's like the analogy of going into the pantry and cooking something with the ingredients that are already in there that's what animals do like birds migrate for the year they don't try and change the season they go oh shit it's that time when mm-hmm. it gets cold again let's fly four thousand miles to this other place mm-hmm. that we like to go to at this time of year and they just know to do that fish do that they leave the ocean they go mm-hmm. into the streams they go back to the ocean and people do that too. Like we we work with nature, with reality to the best of our ability, not trying to change it. And that's in part why we've been such a successful species. We've been able to take the shit around us. There's a tree. Let's cut it down. Now that we've cut it down, we can make this thing called fire. We can make this burning thing that keeps us warm and cooks our meat and kills diseases and threatens away bears and kills our our, our enemies and we can do it using the things that have already been provided, like using the shit that was mm-hmm. already there, not trying to like make a new world where fire is suddenly possible. Like it's already possible if you use the ingredients in the right way. And I think for the poker player, it's very much the same in that you do have the ingredients to still have a good session. When you're running bad, they're just different things that you need to draw upon now. Like so instead of just mm-hmm. taking the naturally built like the analogy for this in the state of nature would be like, oh, there's a mango growing on a mango tree and it's absolutely ripe and it's lush and it's been provided for me and I'm really hungry and thirsty and I've been trekking for four hours after a mammoth which eluded me. There's a bunch of mangoes. This is amazing. Thank God I found those mangoes. That's like running good. When you're running good, mm-hmm. you just stumble mm-hmm. upon the mango tree and you're like, holy shit, there's mangoes. But you're not like, man, I'm so fucking good at life because of these mangoes. Like you don't even deserve them. They just happen to be there. And mm-hmm. when like a fish runs good, it's really infuriating because he thinks because he's found the mango tree that know, he's suddenly a crusher and he's yeah. like actually hunted a giant mammoth, but he's not, right? And that's such an infuriating thing. But maybe in the times when, you know, we don't have the mango tree, we have to actually like go to some place and scrape mm-hmm. the bark from some tree and mix it with some berries and like eat that thing for like a couple of days. And that's successful because while it isn't particularly meaningful, and there's no like atomic explosion going on in your emotional brain, you're alive two years later because you did that. So in some sense, it's meaningful in the sense that it persists long into the future. So I really yeah. think we can tie two things together here and say going with a current and making use of the resources that you have goes hand in hand with this idea of looking after your future self, of something being 
not very fun and not fulfilling in the emotional hedonistic kind of makes you feel good way but being really fucking meaningful in the sense that Mm. if you can master that habit and instantiate that pattern of behavior then over the next 10 years of your poker career you're going to be someone who plays way better during downswings Mm -hmm. enjoys playing during downswings and probably has a way higher win rate than a competitor who hasn't Mm -hmm. mastered making the the maximum use of the tools they've got and deriving Mm -hmm. meaning from their future self rather than their current suffering self we can maybe just say it's my job to suffer maybe we just need to get fully away from this modern bullshit that you should never suffer and actually go the other direction and say life is in part suffering at point a in time so that at point b in time you can be really happy and then maybe you can have some hedonistic pleasure but you don't just get to sit there and have your cake of hedonism and eat it and go i never ever want to suffer or work or do anything that makes me feel bad yeah, I just want to be like, oh, you you go, girl. Let's have a fucking divorce party and let's fucking drink yeah. champagne and pretend that everything's fucking amazing because we don't have to suffer yet. We can still be really happy. What an absolutely yeah. parasitic, disgusting way to live your life. Like, let's embrace suffering, yeah. not needlessly, not masochistically, but enough that when it's our turn to suffer, and it will be your turn to suffer, Phil mm-hmm. Peterson here, and you'll bloody well know when the four horsemen <laughs> come for you, man. Like, you know, you will. You will know. And all that matters is that at other points in life, you've been able to maximize your own EV further down the line yes. at some point. Maybe yes. there's even something to be said for maximizing EV in the moment sometimes, because you won't get the chance to later. Like, you'll be a skeleton right. under the ground one day, or you'll be a pile of right. ashes. So while you're actually in that nice restaurant eating that nice steak and drinking that red wine with your partner with your husband whatever do you want to be on your phone playing candy crush or looking at emails or do you want to like actually enjoy that experience because it's only going to exist at the one point in time and i think we should really enjoy upswings when they're happening we should relish them they're like the mango tree you know we come across that juicy fruit we should love it they're awesome they're the best but you still need to know when it's your turn and your time to go and scrape moss off of a rock and cook it so that you're still going to be here to eat mangoes next week. I, yeah, I love that. I love that. And you should, you should also, in, when you're on the upswing, not constantly be worried about when the downswing is going to hit, like don't suffer more in the present. Oh, don't a... suffer in the present for something that has to happen in the future. Exactly. But that's, that's another point. Um, I wanted to bring up one, one more thing because you mentioned this and I think, my opinion is that if you're going to identify one thing that may be pure, purely meaningless, mm-hmm. so like meaningless at all times, mm-hmm. but would that be watching fish win? Is that utterly meaningless? That's close to in one other of words, the most meaningless things in poker is when fish. Yeah. yeah another one of the. Like, yeah, go ahead. Because, because like in your head, you're like, oh, I, this sucks. Like, look at this guy just like scraping, you know, dragging another pot. And, you know, in every hand and just getting like so lucky and just thinking he's a crusher and all this. And I mean, and there's some players that are just like, no, that's good. You want that player to win because you want them to come back and you want them to keep playing. And yes, obviously that's true. But when it comes to like, what is a mean, what is meaningful for your own, you know, for yourself, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I would maybe point to that and say it's, that's absolutely meaningless. Yeah. Like that's the one thing it's that just doesn't matter. I mean, and so you should tell yourself that when it hurts to watch them drag pots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
it's the natural human tendency to like look at what the rivals are doing and if they're getting all of the the reward be like you know go full full-blown cane you know to like <laughs> i've listened to too much pierce yeah. obviously and the bible <laughs> stories have gone out of hand recently jordan like you need to cut back on the bible shit just a little bit like please yeah he's he's gone full bible in that. yeah yeah, yeah and abel and abel does everything he bloody can't praise god huh but but cain but the thing is like don't go full-blown cain and be like oh why does this guy get all the mangoes like i deserve the mangoes because right you're forgetting right. that this guy's probably broke and he's probably like down right. 68 buy-ins in the last year <laughs> and you just bought that you literally just bought a new watch because of poker yeah. and you're sat there berating his fortune because at that one point in time it feels meaningful it's not final story my cousin and his dad and my dad and i were riding on a bus when i was like seven or eight and we were going to the beach um was down in, in England like seeing family we were going to the beach for the day and there was loads of traffic and we got kind of like stuck in this traffic and it was really really boring and my dad said you know trying to make the best of a bad situation was like right who can identify the most boring meaningless thing let's have a competition <laughs> go and oh, it was two it's both my cousins it was, it was my cousin Jake and my cousin Sam and Jake was like oh look at those porta cabin toilets at the beach my dad was like yeah those are pretty boring yeah. and then the thing that won i remember the thing that won was my cousin sam's answer and it, it just came back to me there melissa when you were like what is something that's truly meaningless and sam was probably yeah. about six years old or five years old or something at the time and he said oh look at that interesting speck of dust and pointed to this like <laughs> tiny fleck of dust on the seat in front of us where we were sat mm -hmm. on the bus and I was like, at the time, I remember like, wow, that is truly way more boring and meaningless than the porta cabin toilet that we passed. Like, that is truly mm -hmm. awful. Like, it may as well not even exist, that, that fleck of dust. And yeah, so that's my answer. The thing that's truly meaningless is like that little particle of dust on your monitor or whatever right now. Like, mm -hmm. everything else is probably more meaningful than that. But fish getting lucky, that's, that's up there. Thing is, your evolutionary yeah. brain doesn't think it's meaningless and it'll try and tell you right. that it's not. Right, right. Well, that's it. Well, I think we have to wrap up. Um, well, this was helpful for me, at least. And it is funny because I already feel a, a ton of distance between myself and that and that hand mm -hmm. and that stupid, stupid hand. It's I guess maybe I don't. I don't know. But I'm like, I've progressed, I would say. It's a and dumb product, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a dumb hand. Yeah. Because it's like. It happened so due dumb. to like a stupid so human dumb. error. It cost a bunch of money, but then so many things do in poker. And it just felt like your subconscious just overreacted to it. And mine would as well. Anyone's would. It's not just yeah. you, but the human subconscious mind. That is just the thing that encapsulates all the shit that appears to matter, but doesn't throughout time, but really matters in the moment. Yes. But it's not clear yes. that it should really matter in the moment, but it does. Because like... We're not designed flawlessly. Like we're pretty intricate and our brains are pretty amazing and all of that. And biology and evolution are pretty awesome. But that doesn't mean that we're not like without fault. And we still have bad mental programs that fire up in the wrong way and prescribe meaning to the wrong things. And like I think yeah. your your friend at the card room, like his point is probably something to the effect of the things that seem really meaningful to the subconscious yes. are often totally meaning yes. meaningless to the conscious mind when fully rationalized. And that's just another way of saying 
they don't persist throughout time because their significance is solely built up in the fact that they feel really intense and i think what mm -hmm. you're dealing with there melissa is something that triggers all of the emotions at the same time that feels really intense but is yeah. just that speck of dust on the seat in front of us yeah yeah well we'll see we'll see this if the trauma persists we'll check in a year from now to see if i'm still traumatized by this yeah you'll be like what but what do you mean not. oh that time oh yeah oh i've forgotten all about that like that's the way that's gonna go like oh yeah i was just in like i was just crushing this 25 50 game at bellagio i don't have time to think about these things that's me a year from now that's the kind of progress i Absolutely, expect to yeah. make yeah. So. and i'll still be thinking about that one piece of dust so who's going to be winning <laughs> All right, guys, it's been fun. Good leave point. us some reviews on Spotify. If you like the podcast, do rate us. It really means a lot. Do leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts as well. And do share Poker Distilled with your friends in the card room. Ask people, you know, hey, man, hey, man, have you seen Poker? Hey, can I get a ginger ale? Have you seen Poker Distilled? <laughs> like, do it. Do it next time you're in the card room. All right, we'll catch you next time. Bye.